We on? Give it a couple seconds. Get warmed up. We'll pass it into a couple groups. So how's your day been, Coach? Good. Awesome. Your bracket's doing any good? Didn't do them. Wow. Didn't do them. I don't do it. It's like to watch the games. I don't do it. It is tough. My brackets have been absolutely horrible this year. I skipped out on them this year, too. You skipped out on them, or I, you just doing bad? Didn't do them at all. First time in hell, it's probably been fifteen years. Wow. All right, we got that done. Looking good. Great rock. All right. Well, everybody, welcome to the new studio, the Burnham Bet Studios. We want to give a special thank you to Preferred Mechanical Services. So, for all your heating and cooling needs. And plumbing needs, contact our friends at Preferred Mechanical. They will take care of you. I personally guarantee you. Um, not like some companies that say they that you need a new furnace. If you don't, they won't sell you one. They'll just fix the problem and you move on. Give them a call. I forgot the number. What's the number? 317-924-4098. Anyways... Let's get on to the show. On my left here, we got Coach Swoops. He's going to be the co-host of this show from now on until he fires himself because I won't do it. Anyways, and on our right here, we got our special guest. He's a Plainfield High School Hall of Famer, IUPUI Hall of Famer, Broadcaster of the Year, IBCA Media Service Award winner, the IFCA News Media Award winner, IHSAA Distinguished Media Award winner, Indiana Sports Writer and Sportscaster Hall of Fame, and Indiana High School Athletic Association Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Hall of Fame coach and broadcaster, Coach Bob Lovell, on my right. Thank you, gentlemen. It's great, great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Coach, for joining very us welcome. on this very our boring show. Uh, I hope I do not disappoint you. I I'm hope sure I've learned enough bad. from Everything you. Everything will be good. <laughs> Everything will be good. But anyways, we want to talk a little bit about some Colts football. Then we're going to get into some uh, NCAA mm -hmm. basketball. And then I got a trick, not necessarily a trick question, but a question in high school basketball okay so i hope you're i'll do my best i know the state championships right. are over um i went to a couple of them this year and it's been a long time since i've been to well, you picked a, a good high year. school you picked basketball, a good year to see basketball it was, it was, it was just really fun. it was just division one yeah. a but it was yeah. i was just fun games i was like a kid back in high school you mm -hmm. know with the pom-poms rooting on my right. team it was so much fun i i couldn't believe it'd been that long since i'd actually been now to you need high to go back there. every year Every year I got to go back. But anyways, my first question, since we're uh, with a lot of Colts people that's watching us right now, mm -hmm. what do you feel like is the Colts' number one need in the draft this year? Well, I think position-wise, position-wise, um, I think you need. You need. I think it, it's a game of, of playmakers. 
It's a game of people who can make plays on a positive nature. And the, the bottom line is to put points on the board. And so I, I'm certainly not in the football NFL business, but I would think you need uh, to shore up your wide receiving core. I think that definitely, you know, definitely. you've done a fantastic job in the span of one year of redeveloping your offensive line. Uh, I think we all understand how good Andrew Luck can be. And so, um, but I think you, know, you want to get out and pitch and catch. And you got a, you got a guy who can pitch. You, do you have enough guys? Do you have a, a, a quality of depth uh, at the wide receiver spot? And I think people would argue that that's one area that you could probably make better. I'm going to tell you right now, between the groups that, that we're in, we're close to 10,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Half of them are praising you with what you just said, yeah, and the I'm other sure. half yeah. are throwing their phones. No, we got to get defense. No, we got to get ed pressures. No, especially with how deep this draft is in the defensive line and backfield. I think the other part of it, too, is that, is that they, Mr. Ballard and others are a whole lot smarter than, than I am uh, and focus on this year round. And, and I think you understand that uh, while, yeah, a critical need may be. On the defensive side, it may be wide receiver. You have um, multiple rounds in the draft. You also have things that you can do in free agency. And so, uh, again, you need guys who can make plays. Guys who uh, are those highlight type guys who, because games come down to, just think about it, this is high school, college, professional. Games come down to a half a dozen or so key plays in each game. That's what they come down to. They come down to, you know, we need that third down play to be converted. The guy makes a great catch. We need to get it. We need to pick up that extra couple yards. The guy makes a play. Defensively, the same thing. So, who are the guys who can help you in those half a dozen plays or so? Who are those disruptors? Who are those playmakers who can do the things that you need to do to win games? Because most of the games you play are going to be one possession type games, a field goal or a touchdown. And it comes down to special types of players. And if you think about looking at teams that win, teams that win have more than one of those guys. They have a bunch of those guys on both sides of the football. And so while, you know, you might say, you might say you need help at the wide receiver, you might, you know, you need help defensively, defensive backs, cover guys, I got all that. Um, Remember that it's it's really hard to rework a, a, a uh, roster in the span of one or two years. That's hard to do. That's very difficult. Very tough. To do. And so you know, part of your master plan you you were able to execute a year ago. Now you, you the next phase of that master plan comes up this year. You still have another year, another year. So I mean, I don't doubt within the next three to five years, this is a team that legitimately contends and contends and contends. But you know, they everybody wants. We're we not a society, we're not a culture that has a lot of patience for anything, and especially for our, 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 our favorite team. We expect them to win and win now. And the reality of sports is that's not how it works. We've got a guest coming in. We need an on, on-air sign. Yes, we do. Come on in, Gregory. We were just talking about you. Come on, stand by me and get, get on the camera. We'll introduce you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Gregory Williamson. He is the owner of Preferred Mechanical, and he's one of our top sponsors uh, for the studio and the show. Say hi, Gregory. Hello, everybody. 
And he's one hell of a Colts fan. Absolutely. Biggest Colts fan I know. Is that it? And a Pacer ticket holder, too. Wow. My God. He took me to a Pacer game the other night against uh, Oklahoma City. And where his seats are, you could almost throw the piece of ice at Larry Bird, where he used to sit. Awesome daggum seats. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. <laughs> you bring us our sticker? Uh, no, I found you a better one. Okay. <laughs> nice. Go ahead and put it on the window. You want to do it live? No. Right. <laughs> That's not my best side. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We really appreciate you. Awesome individual right there, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no problem. Uh, which, that fits perfect into my next question. Um, last year, Chris Ballard did some amazing things, not only in free agency, that nobody knew what was going to happen, mm -hmm. especially like mm -hmm. with Eric Ebron. Um, but then he hit the draft, and he hit 777 on the slot machine in the draft. Man, did he. Everybody loved it. Everybody was praising the guy. And now we're into this year, and I've heard so many people screaming, why don't he get <laughs> Le'Veon Bell? Why don't he get uh, Brown? Why won't he spend this money? Da-da-da-da-da. As a coach mm -hmm. that has formed and built multiple successful teams mm -hmm. that, you know, that's made it to the NI, AI, NI. Mm -hmm. Sweet 16, you've had great success building a team. Right. Why won't he spend that money and enlighten us in what he keeps talking about? I want my locker room to have this atmosphere and I'm not going to do anything to disrupt my locker room regardless how great that player is. Can you enlighten us with that? Maybe shed a little bit of light. Why he wouldn't, why he didn't go after Le'Veon Bell. Why he didn't go after Brown. You said we needed a receiver. Brown's one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Right. I understand. Le'Veon, he, he's a running back and a receiver. Well, I think the biggest thing is that when you're in a position uh, like that uh, general manager of an NFL team, general manager of an NBA team, um, head coach of a college basketball team at whatever level, uh, and a high school coach of whatever sport. All of us have one thing in common, and that is we have our own individual philosophy of how we want to do things. It's been built over a course of time. And you grow up as a player and you sense how your, your coaches the philosophy they have and how they impart that to you. You go to college and you see the same thing and you always, you need to develop your own style, your own leadership style and what's important to you and how you do it. I would tell you that when you're in a, in a position where you spend more time with players than you do your family, one of the keys there is to make sure you have quality people because it, in, in, when you need people the most in that, in that play, uh, think back in the, in the Super Bowl when the long pass from Brady to Gronkowski, that he, you know, he catches deep in the territory and allows them to score. Yeah. That, again, I go back to that big play. When we have to execute the big play, having strong character, having strong beliefs in one another, believing in the overriding philosophy are more important than having that quality guy. 
Quality will win you some games. It'll take you to certain points. But to get you past that, I believe, and right or wrong, this is my own personal philosophy, you need quality players. And so I would not be the one who wanted to tell Chris Ballard how to run a football team. What I would say, though, is that he has a plan. He has an understanding of how to do this. Now, you, you talked about some of the players. Let's be honest. You know, he, he got a little bit lucky. He, no one anticipated Eric Ebron was going to do what he did. I'm not sure Eric Ebron anticipated he'd do what he did. There's an element of luck involved in all of this. But I, I go back to an overriding philosophy of how you want to do it, of the kinds of people you want to have with you. And, and I know it's a trite, cliched phrase, but character does matter. It really, really, truly does matter. And I, I know fans want to win every game. I like for our teams, <clears throat> whatever franchises, I like for them to win and win with character. I'd feel much more because, you know, your friend just came in. He writes two heavy checks to people, and he yes. wants to believe in the people he's writing those checks for. And how they behave on and off the field, the representation they make, are they giving you literally your money's worth every time you go out and watch them? That's important to you. And so you, you do that. Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell plays for Le'Veon Bell. You want guys who want to play for one another. You want it because, you know, when you're in that huddle, if you're Brady or Gronkowski and those guys in that huddle at that time of the game, gentlemen, we, here's the play. We need to play. We need everyone, all 11 of us have to do exactly what we're supposed to do at that particular time. And you, you, everything is built for that moment. Do you have the right guys? And it's not always about talent. There's more to it than just talent. Is that an answer? Does that make sense? That is an awesome answer, Coach. I don't know how awesome it is. I just know that that again, if you if you look back in seasons, you're going to look at you're going to look at you know throughout. I was a college basketball coach, and so we had like 30 games a year. And but you're building to that one point to where you're in a playoff or a conference tournament or whatever it is you are. And when it when it all boils down to one stretch of time, one small slice of time, one play. One, three or four possessions in basketball, you know, or whatever. It's all built up over the course of time is do we have the right people in the right places and can they make the play? It's an interesting thing when you look at the dynamics of winning and losing. Losers like to come back and say, you know, if we'd only shot better at the free throw line, if only we had made a couple more threes. And the winners go, we don't have to worry about that because we did. And, you know, we got a whole lot of people who want to worry about, well, if only I, if, if this or that or the officials or the coach or this, that, and the other. It gets, it boils down to one simple little thing. You need to make plays. And making plays is not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And the special people separate themselves from the others by their ability to make those kinds of plays when they need to make them. So that's an answer. Plus, the other, you know, the easy answer is, look, you, you think you know more than Chris Bauer? Seriously. What you need to do is reevaluate, you need to reevaluate yourself temporarily because, you, number one, you've never done it. Number two, it, it, people, that, that's the beauty of fans. They get excited and get invested in their teams and they want to win. They want to win now. And if they don't, they're upset. I got all that. I understand all that. But, in our culture now, we use the word process. Process is a word used over and over and over. And, and truly, right. there's a process. Look, there's a process in putting together the things you've done here. There was a process. And there were times along that, that timeline of the process where so you, you thought, uh, it's not going to happen. 
it's not going to work. I'm, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Somebody said they're going to do this. They didn't do it. I thought this would work out. It didn't work out and all that. But, but the one thing you have to go back to over and over and over as a coach is you have to trust the process. You have to understand that the process is two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. It's going to be that way no matter what you do. It's crazy. That's kind of how life is, to be honest with you. And it's just, you know, sports is in some way a mirror on, on what the culture is all about. But you have to trust it. And you have to believe that if there's a problem and if, and if the process needs to be adjusted and needs to be reevaluated, that the people in charge are going to make the proper decisions to reevaluate and readjust at a time when they need to be made. So... I, um, I'm a fan like everybody else. I have faith that uh, these guys know what they're doing. I certainly, I think all of us would, would agree that we have much more faith in this um, iteration of the administration, so to speak, than the previous one. But, but you know, Definitely. It's, just, it's just one of those things right now that you have to trust the, the guys in charge. And, and look, there's so much time between now and when they report for camp. Okay, just, just relax a They just bit. picked up that um, safety from... Cleveland, you know, we, you, we, you talked earlier about uh, the positions. You started off with wide receiver. And well, I had to come up with an, I had to come up with an answer. No, and actually, spot. that's so, <laughs> I had to come up with an answer. That, right? that, that's a that's a great spot because that is a big need that the that the team has, and and it's very obvious because everybody sees it. Well, if if you look at that, that doesn't it it's a it's not a big glamour pick. It's we didn't go out and get. Uh, the Corvette to go in the garage. We went out and got the Ford F-150. We needed to haul the furniture. This this is a guy that's going to be he's going to be good for the locker room. He's yeah. his depth. I agree. And that, and that matters. Man, I think the other thing too is look. I'm a basketball coach by training. That's that's what I did most of my professional life. Need guys who can score. I always had a philosophy, to, you know, again, it goes back to your philosophy, about your process. So when I was recruiting, you know, when I was coaching at Franklin College and at IUPUI, um, I looked for guys who could score at all five positions. Because my philosophy was, if you're not a threat to score, they don't have to guard you. Now we're trying to play five on four or four on five. And so I want guys, do I, have a, do I need a post guy or a guard? I need guys who can score. I need guys who can knock down shots. Right? Yeah. That's what I want. Can, I, can you do that? So, <laughs> Boys win the game. And, and, and so, you know, again, it goes back to this. In football, it's similar. I need guys who can make those, those plays. Those guys. You got the quarterback. Now who can – because it's a passing league. We all know this. They pass the ball. So, I mean, it, it, I'm not a genius at this, but if it's a passing game, we need someone who can throw it. We need someone who can catch it. And I got protection and defending and all that other stuff. But the primary – tell me what teams have gone and won championships who don't have a receiving core who can make plays. Not many. Not many. Yeah. So, but you put me on the spot. First question, put me on the spot, no, it, and I wasn't ready. And it was a beautiful answer because <laughs> it's a he, long he, went out, he went out in free agency and got a receiver. Mm-hmm. From Carolina, uh, Devin Funchins. Right. De- I hope I said that but name. But you know right. what the biggest thing about? And then you turn around and got right. Houston from Kansas City. Now you got your your wide receiver. Now you got your edge rusher. Right. What else are you gonna pick up in free agency? I think the biggest thing though, when you're putting together, and again, I haven't done it. I've never put together an NFL roster, and I, I, I think so far at this point in my career, I'm probably not going to. But it's like anything else, especially in the NFL. The NFL is a game of attrition. People get hurt every week. Yeah. Your, Your roster, roster reshapes, reshapes itself, itself week 
day by day by day, literally. And so the, the one thing you want to try to do, irrespective of particular needs or particular positions or what have you, is you want to try to get as on a 56, 57 minute, right? 57, 55 minutes, whatever, whatever the roster 52 is, on the final how, much, how much quality depth do we have at every spot we have? And they do not have quality depth at wide receiver. No, not really. And, and that's one of the things they, they need. So, I mean, again, to, to, to put together a roster, to remake a roster and get the quality of depth, you can't do it in a year. You can't do it in two years. And so I would caution everybody, look, it's, again, part of the process to rebuild a team that had not been in the playoffs for the last three years. Well, and speaking of that quality of depth, uh, Deion Kane, I mean, that comes up. Is is he going to be part of that? You talked about the the master plan last year, and and maybe that was part of the, the – unlucky part of the the NFL where we got that injury that affected us a little bit and 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 put him out the video is that going to jump up this year and help us out this year I think so I think so I think that kid is an absolute beast I like him I like him a lot and the video the last report that I've seen um he is way ahead of schedule on recovery All right. That was awesome. I can talk to you all day long, Coach. I might just have to get you a cot and keep you here. Well, it's, a, it's an intriguing <laughs> thought. <laughs> intriguing yeah. offer, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we go to – I ain't losing my notes and jumping ahead of somebody. All right, Coach Swoops. Did I say it right this time? Swoops like the Pope. Swoops like the Pope, not swoops like the poop. Okay. So, Swoops, you got any questions for uh, Coach Bob? Well, I mean, are, are we moving forward to uh, – Yeah, let's, let's bounce it off back and forth a little bit and keep, right, so keep some variety in the show. We want to talk about the Final Four a little bit. And uh, I looked up – I found out an interesting fact the other day. They said since 1985 – Either Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Indiana, or UCLA has all been in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. One, one of them has been in the Final Four every year since 1985. Until now. Until now. Give us a, a good reason why people should watch the Final Four this year. Hmm. Well, number one, um, the Final Four, the month of March, March Madness, is one of the uh, – one of the most fun and exhilarating and exciting months of the year. And granted, a number of these guys uh, are looking at potential professional careers, but these are still uh, people associated with campuses. I think when you look at fan bases in the NFL are, are rabid, but when you look at college campuses and their fan base, uh, the people who are going to be there watching those games, uh, it's exciting. Secondly, I think you have four relatively evenly matched teams. There, it may lack the star power that you would have with, uh, with UK and, and Duke and, and what have you. But I also think that you have um, you have great balance. I, I'm not exactly sure. Most people right now are saying that Virginia might be the the favorite, but I'm not sure there's a there's a, a, a heavy favorite to come in. So you know, you watch you watch it for that reason. I think more than anything, it's the culmination of an entire year. It's the culmination of 
what you start your season out is to win a national. It's, it's the national championship. It's the it's the, you put it up there with you know, the Super Bowl is here. NBA finals are here. You know the uh, Major League Baseball World Series is here. And then, and then that next year, college sports. You know you have obviously the, the playoffs, the national championship game, the national championship game in basketball. It's a one of those major major events. That I don't think you get. You know, I'm a fan of basketball. Obviously, I made a living at it since I was 22. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I don't care what names are on the on the jerseys. I just want to watch basketball and watch people play. And the emotion, because quite frankly, you're going to be watching a number of young men whose careers are going to end uh, either Saturday or Monday. Not everybody's going to play in the NBA. So a number of people are going to play you know, professionally in the, in the G League or overseas and in places like that. But, but those careers are relatively short. I mean, on average, I think your NBA career is like 5.3 years, something like that. So by the time you're 30, you know, maybe into your early 30s, you're out of the game. And so you go back to that... That, that one shining moment, it's cliched, I got that, but it, it really, truly is the zenith of your career and in most, in most cases. And so there's a, certain, there's a certain something to watching all that, the pageantry and, and the emotion. Um, normally, championship games are relatively well played. There have been some real ugly ones, but for the most part, there's a lot going on. And, and I don't think you have to just be a basketball fan. You want to just watch a certain purity of the game, a certain level. Now, having said that, there are a whole lot of people out there going, you know, major uh, college basketball is not pure money, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I, I understand all that. No one has to explain that to me. But I still cling to this misguided notion, I guess, that there is a certain purity to what this is all about on Monday night when somebody cuts down the net. I like that. That's fantastic. I love it. Okay. Well, can, uh, let me interrupt. Yeah. You talk about this could be the last game for some of these kids. Yeah. And some of them, it, it is. But some of them are freshmen. Right. You know, like the Zion Williams. Right. Um, Coach Swoops. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like the I, I, I'll get my brain Swoops. working. Yeah. Like poop. I, I can't forget that. You know? I'm digging that answer. I, I'm, I'm stuck on the poop part, I guess. Um, R.J. Barrett. Right. My guy from IU. Right. Declared for the NBA. Yep. I mean, personally, I think he would be better off, better serving himself to stay another year. Mm -hmm. Maybe even two more years before he goes in the NBA. It's not how the system works. No, it's really not. I know how it's not how the system works. It's not how the system works. It's not how the system's going to work. Man, I just. Well, and, and, and getting to that, how, where, where do you fall on the whole? Let them go, go when they're out of high school. You want to you, you want to roll the dice? You want to roll the dice coming out of high school? You think you're good enough to play with those guys? Go, go ahead and do it. We don't listen. We don't tell. Let's say your son or daughter is a magnificent tennis player, right? And uh, in, in really, really good, or a golfer, magnificent golfer. They can go on tour. They don't even have to wait till they graduate from high school. They can go on tour whenever they want. Now you're going to tell basketball players. You guys got to wait. You do. It for, you're gonna go to college for a year or two or whatever, right? One of the things I think, you know, in our country is freedom of choice. You have choices. 
You don't get a choice if you're a basketball player. You have to wait. And so do I think that there would be a number of guys who would mistakenly put their names in to, when they come out of high school to be in the NBA? Yeah, I think there would be a, a number of guys who'd make serious mistakes. But it's their life to make mistakes, not mine. And I think, uh, I think you're going to see something in the future to where you there, there's more uh, more emphasis on the G League for guys who aren't ready necessarily. So is Romeo Langford ready to play in the NBA? Absolutely not. Is R.J. Bannister ready to play in the NBA? Absolutely not. But these guys who are professionals at what they do, or the best in the world at what they do in terms of evaluating talent, developing talent, and coaching talent, they say that Romeo Langford is a top 15 pick. You smarter than those guys? I'm not going to question it. <laughs> Seriously. These guys know how to develop talent. We don't. And so the idea is it, it, that is not about where you – it's not that classic snapshot in time where you, where you look at him right now. Nobody's ready to go to the NBA right now. Zion Williams Wilson, Williamson will struggle in the NBA. It's, it's going to happen. But, but when I look at Romeo Langford at 6'5", with the body and the quickness and the, and the skills that he has, in three to five years, can he make a significant contribution on an NBA roster? Absolutely. So they're going to roll the dice, and they're going to offer a three-year contract, and at the end of that three-year contract, did you progress like we thought you would? If you did, we're going to keep you and resign you. And if you didn't, we're not going to resign you. And now that's the, that's the process. That's how it goes. So, um, look, I coached for 21 years, and everyone I knew, every, my family, my friends, my players, the administration, criticized everything I did. That's the nature of being a coach. When you become a coach, you become not as smart as everybody else. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's how it goes. But the one thing you have to do is trust the process, trust the philosophy, because it's the, one of the few professions I know where everybody's smarter than you. Okay? <laughs> and these guys in this business, this is what they train their entire lives for. It's what they live for. It's what they do. And it's easy to sit in the stands. It's easy to watch on TV. It's easy to be online and think, well, you know, I played high school basketball or I played high school football. Please stop yourself, okay? <laughs> stop. Uh, people who have to make those decisions at that moment, there's something to putting together a group of people, as you pointed out earlier, putting together the dynamics of a team on a daily basis and how they change and how they swing Everybody's good after you win. No, that's, no, that's an easy thing to do with the coaching when teams are winning. How do you coach after a team loses two or three in a row? But there's an art to that, and that's not easy to do. And so a long-winded answer to a short question, I mean, I, I, I think, um, again, I think Langford, all these guys, you want to go, go. You want to go, go. The money, you can't turn down the money. They're going to offer you a three-year contract, and it's slotted in in terms of where you go and how much money you make and all that. But uh, if people in the NBA believe that Romeo Langford and others who are playing now have the skills to play at that level, I, you know, when I had quadruple uh, bypass surgery a couple of years ago, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't tell my doctor how to do it. I didn't think I knew more than he did. You know what I mean? Look, this is what you train for. This is what you study for. This is what you do. I trust your judgment. 
But we, but when it comes to sports, we don't trust anybody because no. we're all smarter than everybody else. So there's my answer. How's that? And by the way, I'm happy. I'm happy for the kid. Does he deserve to go in the? I no. Did he have a, a good year at Bloomington? You know, look, being a freshman, trying to play college basketball your freshman year, it's hard. I don't care who you are. Don't care. Don't care how talented you are. Don't care who you are. Don't care where you play. That's hard. Okay. And the expectations for him were off the charts. Uh, just a reminder, who's the third leading scorer in the Big Ten? Just so you know. Okay, as a freshman. Yeah. Expectations. The expectations were unrealistic to, to begin with. And so, um, you know, now he's having thumb surgery. How much of an issue was that throughout the year? Uh, so I think the big thing is, <laughs> this is what I understand. He's one of ours. He's a new Albany kid. We love him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he had a year to play at IU. Did they play like they, they, that we expected? Probably not. But he's going to get a chance to go to the, to the NBA and hopefully have a nice career. Uh, why, why would we criticize that? Why would we – Why would you suddenly now – you know more than everybody else. We're going to criticize. Be happy for the kid, for heaven's sakes. Now, I agree with you, Coach. That... Well, you better because <laughs> the interview will be over real quickly if you don't. They should have the choice to – to declare right out of high school or not. But I, I want to take it a step further. If they don't get choose, I think the NCAA should allow them yeah, to, sure. to take that, yeah. that scholarship yeah. so they can yeah. get their education, continue building on their game, yeah. and then possibly make it to the next level. I think it's and a good that, idea. That, to me, is the worst part of the rule well, they have. Not just can. that they can't go, but once you declare for the NBA, there's no going back. Yeah. The dynamic you have is that you have the Players Association who sits on one side and represents the interest of, of players who are currently in the league, out of the league, and those coming into the league. So they have to try to balance uh, what's best for their constituency. And on the other side is you have college administrators and coaches and, and uh, others who have the interest of the, the their particular institutions and, and the game itself. And, and in, in between all that is – um, CBS, ESPN, all the others. I mean, just think about this for one second. Um, the tournament coming up Saturday and Monday. Um, the rights, CBS, Turner, TBS, all those guys, $11 billion for 10 years. Ooh! Just so, Ooh. Just, just so you understand, <laughs> just so you understand what's, what's at play here. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, don't, don't you know, sports being what it is, uh, there's always there's always a consideration for the bottom line, at whatever level, and so and just think fair. about that as you as you ponder some of these existential questions about life and the world and all the other things. Eleven billion over ten years, just so you know. Wow. Well, and I, I I've always felt like, you know, if you go to college, you go to college to get a better job. And see, I would I would disagree. It's, I would disagree with that. Would I mean, you? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I, no, I, but no, I just great. did. I mean, I, I, I think, I think going to college, and I have a, I have a grandson who's a sophomore at Hanover College, and and I've had this discussion with him and his mom and dad and, and others. Is that, and, and, and again, and I spent 21 years sitting across the table looking at moms and dads and kids and, and having. And having this discussion, you know, they may have thought it was crazy. I might have been. I still might be. I don't really know. But I think number one, see, I don't think college. If if you look at it, going to college to get a better job, now it becomes a commodity. 
It becomes something that's bought and sold. It's become something that, that it isn't. I think when you're 18 years old and you don't know anything about life, yeah. and now you have to go away from home, and you have to go to class every day on time and get your assignments turned in on time, and if you're an athlete, you have to be a part of a team and go to team meetings and go to practice, and you have to balance all of this. That's tremendous training for how to be an adult. And, 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 mom, and, dad, and mom and dad aren't there to fight your battles, okay? So when you're in high school, everybody's patting you on the back and how good you are and how talented you are, and you're the star and this thing, this, that, and the other. Now when you go to college, you look around and, wait a second, everybody's as good as I am. As a matter of fact, some of these guys are better than I am. Now how do I deal with that on a day-to-day basis? So I went to practice and the coach yelled at me. Oh my God, well, no one ever yelled at me when I was in high school, and now, uh, I'm, I'm not the guy, right? And so, so, so there, there's, there are lessons to be learned in that. And, and I also, I mean, I look back on my education. I mean, I have an undergrad degree from Franklin College and a master's degree from Butler. And, and the, the thing I learned more than anything in college, especially at Franklin, was they taught me how to think. They taught me how to think and, and solve problems and be able to communicate with other people. That was part of it. And so if, if, I have, if I have the ability to think, to reason, and express myself, I'll get a job. And it'll probably be a pretty good one. And so, um, and, and I also looked, you know, Department of Labor statistics tell you that you're going to change jobs 10 times in your life, change careers seven times. So, okay, went to college to get a job. The job you went to college to get is gone. Culture's changed. That's out the door. Now what do you do? Well, again, if they taught you to think, if they taught you to express yourself, and if they taught you how to solve problems, it doesn't matter what the job is. You're going to get one, and you're going to do it well. So I hate to interrupt, but that's... No, no, that's that was the speech. But that was the speech that I would give people, and I meant it, and I still mean it. I gave that same speech to my grandson. So he's trying to figure out a major, you know, Got to have they got to declare a major by the time you're a soft, but it's the spring semester of your sophomore year. Don't know what I want to do. Don't know a major. Blah and on and on. And so my daughter, what do you think? Eh, you know what? If I were him, I was an English major. I said, yeah, I think an English. I mean, I like being an English major. Again, I learned a lot of things. Learned how to do some things. Oh my God! I said, oh, or you know, he could be a philosophy major. Oh my goodness! She had thought I had shot. You <laughs> thought I had committed a felony, right? <laughs> And, and I said, well, let me tell you what, again, I go back to this, he'll learn how to think, he'll learn how to solve problems. And whatever, whatever area he chooses to get, go into, that's a lifetime skill that you can't take away. Uh, he chose to become a communications major, and, and I tried to talk him out of it since I'm, I'm kind of in the business. But, but again, I think it, it, there, there are different reasons for different people. Yeah. Uh, to go to college. And there are a whole lot of people who, who do exactly what you're talking about. For, for example, if you want to be an accountant, Okay, I mean, you need to go to college. Yeah. Okay, if you, you, you know, want to be an engineer, probably you need to go to college, those kinds of things. However, I do believe strongly that college is not for everyone. And, and there, there are things that, you know, um, but I would say that there are certain areas in your life where having an undergraduate degree is not enough. The smartest thing I ever did in my professional career was get a master's degree. Because the doors that opened up for me in coaching, the doors that opened up for me afterwards would never have opened without a master's degree. Never would have happened to me. Smartest, I don't know that I've done a lot of smart things in my life, but that was one of the smartest things I did. So just 
with your raw talent and knowledge of the game, you don't think you would have got athletic director at IUPUI? No, I never would. You know, uh, no, no, because the, the no. head of the Verizon no, League no. at one point. Well, they, you know, again, I mean, look, I'm, I've been the luckiest guy you know in terms of jobs. Um, the jobs that I've had, um, I didn't apply for. I didn't apply for any of those jobs. Um, you know, just someone knows someone, someone makes a phone call, and d this, that, and the other. But um, I, I was a reluctant administrator in the 10 years I was the AD at IUPUI. I mean, uh, it was basically, you can't coach basketball unless you have, you're the athletic director. It's, it, the job is, you know, the title is athletic director slash basketball coach, and you can't separate them. And so, okay, well, I'm an AD now. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily want to be. Uh, once I did it, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the relationships with people, and I enjoyed being part of some really special things that happened on campus. But if you ask me today, I mean, hey, like go back and be an athletic director? No, not at all. Uh, not at all. I mean, the, the, the job with the Horizon League, I was the director of basketball operations. I was a senior associate commissioner for external affairs, and I had administrative control over uh, basketball and all things that touched it, uh, communications, sales, uh, media, uh, referees, scheduling, all those kinds of things. It, it's a, it's a big-time job. It's a really neat job. One of the neatest jobs I've ever had. Um, and, and, again, I'm, I didn't think of myself as a – uh, as a, um, particularly an administrator, I thought of myself as a facilitator more than anything, is to try to, you know, the job, the, the, the task they gave me was make the basketball product in the Horizon League better. Uh, well, that's a pretty wide-ranging uh, charge, so to speak. And so how do you do that? Well, not a lot of things you can do, but what we were able to do, I think we did pretty well. But, I mean, to go back, I, I wanted to be a basketball coach. I didn't want to be an administrator. I wanted to be... I wanted to be Literally, I want to be a high school basketball coach. That was what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, something here, something there. I, I, I started out as an assistant at Franklin College where I played and, and was lucky to become the head coach when I was 26 and lucky to have some really good teams and then move on to IUPUI and, you know, else. You know, Google it and read it. And you, I don't need to go through it all. But, um, you know, things – I've been lucky because the things I've done have led to other things and I've had – I've had an interesting, uh, an interesting career in sports. I'd say that. <laughs> well, I tell you, IUPUI is lucky. Because correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you get it set up to where they got, you got the school into the position that if they made it to the NCAA tournament, they could make it, they could get in. No, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I think what I, what what, what we did when I was there um, wasn't me. It was with the help of a whole lot of talent. And inspired people. As when I went there in 1982, uh, we were in the NAI, National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, and uh, um, by way of um, explanation, if you look around uh, Marion University here in town, in the NAI, Indiana Wesleyan, uh, Grace College, uh, IU Southeast, IU Kokomo, uh, those kinds of those schools. There, there are scholarships in most sports that they do. Um, probably has around. 500 or so schools nationwide that do it. Uh, and and they, when I went there, um, they'd had one, one winning season in 12 years. Uh, my first year, and I replaced Mel Garland, who's a Hall of Famer, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, inductee, Tech High School, Purdue University, great guy, um, was uh, suffering from leukemia, uh, unable to coach. Uh, and I went in to take over, I agreed to do it on a, uh, a one-year basis. And um, 
Tragically, he passed after three days after our season ended. We had a winning season for the second time in school history, made it into the NAI district playoffs for the first time in history in, in our first year uh, with, a group of guys, with a group of guys that um, had no business winning any games, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but they were the most passionate um, group of guys I'd ever dealt with and um, loved them dearly to this day. Uh, and then I stayed for 12 years. And my last two years, we had made the conversion from NAI to NCA Division Two, and and the, the plan was to go Division Two and then ultimately become Division One, which they've done and had a relative degree of success doing. But it, there was no contingency upon winning a game and doing this. It was all part of a, a master plan that we developed when I was there. The process. Yeah, it was. The, <laughs> no, again, uh, there was a process, and you know, and and I think that you know, developing. You know, Coming up with an idea for what the process should look like uh, was was a, not an easy thing to do. Um, it's a unique campus um, for a lot of reasons, but, but the vision we had was, um, I think, the right one, and I think it's being borne out in the success that they've had. They joined the Horizon League a year ago. Uh, their women's soccer team won the Horizon League championship a year ago. They've had great success. Yeah, across the board, it's a broad-based program and has a lot of success. And the thing I'm proudest of is the fact that academically, that's one of the, in terms of athletic department and the academic success of their student athletes, they're one of the best programs in the United States, in the entire country. And it's a, it's, it's a message that we don't necessarily deliver like we should. Uh, but those kids are, are truly student athletes in the, in the strictest sense of the word. They really are. And I'm enormously proud to be a part of that. I mean, I, I'm on the athletic advisory board. Um, they, were, they were kind enough. They called me three years ago and asked if they could uh, name an award after me. And I said, no, I mean, absolutely not. I, you know, that's not look. You're not naming an award after me. I didn't do anything to deserve to have an award. I just, you know, I was, well, no. I mean, <laughs> at this stage of my life, I'm, I think I'm able to look at, at, at athletics or just in general, Look, I was given a task of, of, of directing an athlete, a basketball team in an athletic program. And, and um, it wasn't my program, it was our program. And I think you realize at this stage of your life, you're given an opportunity to be a steward of that particular program. And you're gonna, you're gonna have a finite amount of time to do it. And what you wanna do when you're at the end of it, is you wanna make sure that it's better when you leave than when you got there. And I take great pride on the fact that it's better now than when I got there. And, and, and again, a whole lot of people did a whole lot of great things to make that happen. I was part of it, but it wasn't just me, and so they want to name this award. I said, geez, that's embarrassing, to be honest. I mean, come on. <laughs> so they gave me a choice, and I decided, so, so they wanted, they, and they'll make this award. Last year was the first year they did it, and it's coming up later this month at a, a senior banquet for their athletes. Uh, it's the Bob Lovell Service Award because I started a, a community service aspect. If you were going to get a scholarship from us, you had to be involved in community service. Just, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. You don't want to do it, we'll replace you. We're good with it. We're fine. And that meant, I mean, so we had our, our guys volunteered at elementary school in Indianapolis, and uh, you had to put two hours of work in each week uh, to satisfy the requirements for what we wanted you to do. And we were very... We were way out in front of it. We were doing this in the 80s, yeah. 1980s, in terms of community service. And so I was really proud of that, still am proud of that, and embarrassed that they gave an award after me, but 
Um, I'm not going to turn it down for heaven's sake. <laughs> that is awesome. I would think it would be called My Guy Award. <laughs> it's bad, it's bad, enough to, it's bad enough to have my name on it. So Hearing so stories good. that Coach tells, he's like, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy. I have a lot of guys. His previous players and things like that, you just, you just see him light up, and I'm like, man, what do I got to do to be his guy? Yeah, but you know what? Let me think about this. My uh, uh, last – was last summer? Summer before – my Franklin College guys, uh, we had a reunion. We had uh, NAI teams that went to the national tournament uh, in 76, 78, and 80. We were on a really nice run. I was an assistant in 76, head coach in 78, head coach in 80. Our 80 team went to the Sweet 16. And so we, we, we have a reunion. We met in Speedway. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really neat. It was emotional because our daughter, Stephanie, um, grew up with those guys. So here she is, little elementary school girl, and daddy somehow forgets to go pick her up after school, right? Because dad's coaching basketball and baseball and got a few things to do. So call one of my players, hey, do me a favor, go over to Webb Elementary and pick up Steph. And so she, these are her brothers. These are guys that she grew up with. These are guys that, that to this day um, really are part of our family. I mean, they're, we, I think of them as sons. Uh, Steph thinks of them as, as brothers. And, and this was a 40, 40 year, what is it, 40, 40 year, old, like 40 year reunion. And to this day, those guys are still incredibly important parts of our family. And that's, I miss that about coaching, but that's how it's supposed to be. That's, that's what you get into it for. And, and we, you know, and along the way, again, I go back to this whole character thing. Those guys won a lot of games because they were good guys, really good. Now they had their share of fun and they weren't angels by any stretch. But, you know, in their core, they were, they, they were tremendously um, talented, and, and in, in their hearts, um, they're really, really good people. And we come full circle. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, you funny you mentioned Stephanie. Um, a couple of days ago, we got everything hooked up in here, yeah. and my daughter was in that back room with her German Shepherd puppy. And, right. And we're doing, we're actually doing live. Right. And, you know, we're testing all the equipment and she's back there dancing. She right. And I don't even see it until I go home later right. and right. watch the video. She holds her dog up. Got and it. And I'm like, that's good stuff. This is why I do what I our do. Our daughter had a German Shepherd. We had a German Shepherd when she's, our daughter was a little girl. She's <laughs> yeah. happy. She's fun. Right. She's having fun with me now. And that's why I do everything I do just to provide my family, not with, with all the glitz and glamour right. of life, but provide them happiness and, and enjoyment. And it Nothing just, wrong with that. You, you yeah. mentioned that about Stephanie and how she grew up with a lot of your well, she players grew up, and like She that. grew up having 15 older brothers <laughs> from the time she was, um, oh, she would have been seven, I think, seven or eight when I took the job there. So, um, so from the time... She's eight years old, and, and then when I took the IUPUI job, that, that first two or three years, those guys were her brothers. And then it evolved into where when she went to school at IUPUI, she was a cheerleader, and they were her friends. So it evolved from being brothers at the beginning of her, of her, her life until lifelong friends. And those are some tremendously strong bonds that we all have, and thankful that we do. That's awesome. You, you can't predict that in your life no you, you just, just hope, you, you, hope you get a chance to do it yeah, yeah you, you hope, hope you get a chance to do it yeah, yeah for sure 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do you keep laughing at me? Is no, it, I'm not I'm laughing. Hanging out my nose? No. Okay. Well, let's let's bring it back around, I guess. All right. So we're we're talking about the, the NCAA tournament this year, and and you brought up Virginia earlier. Mm-hmm. So last year they lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Is it finally time to start trusting them? Well, you trust them last year. You know, they, they at some point sixteen is going to beat one. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Law of averages, right? You would um, think. I think what it what it is a testament to their their toughness as a group, toughness individually, what great coaching they have, what great character they have. We talk about full circle. You know, you, you don't do what these guys have done without having character. Um, I had a chance to coach against his, his father in the 1985 NAI National Tournament. He, Dick Bennett was the coach at UW Stevens Point, and this was my first championship team at IU, at IUPUI, and we played them in the first round. They were ranked number two. Terry Porter, their star player, had a 13-year NBA career. Oh, he was horrible. And, uh, and, and you know what? We were, um, uh, we were down four at the half, down four with about two and a half minutes to play. Uh, sold out Kemper Arena, first game of the night session, 15,000 people. It was insane. And Porter just made a few plays at the end, and we ended up losing by 10. But, you know, it's for me to see, you know, his dad and see you – know, Tony Bennett do what he's doing in, in there and the way they play, the way they approach it. Um, that's good. You love it. The Kyle guys, a local kid having great success. Um, they are, um, I think people pick them right now as the favorite. If you have to have a favorite, it's them or Michigan State. Yeah. Um, you kind of wish Virginia would shoot it a little bit better, but I think they shoot it well enough. But the big thing they do is they defend you. It's hard to score against them. Uh, but you have to do what Purdue did, and that was have uh, one of those nights that – Carson Edwards had few, if any, players have ever had that kind of game against a, 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 a Tony Bennett coach team. And so whoever they're going to play throughout the weekend is going to need to shoot the balls. And it's not easy to do. They're going to score enough. Uh, Michigan State's similar. Michigan State with, you know, with Cassius is just a, a tremendous individual player. But I think you could make the case for all four teams. I mean, Texas Tech defends well enough. Um, and even – you know, the underdog Auburn team, uh, Bruce Pearl was at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee when I was in the Horizon League. Yeah. And he was at USI when I was coaching at, at, Frank, at IUPUI, so I've known him for a long time. Know how he coaches. Um, his guys believe, and they shoot it. And if they get going, they'll defend you well enough that they can shoot you out of the game. So I think it, I think it you know, lends itself to be a really neat Final Four. There's some great stories. Last weekend was probably one of the greatest weekends they've had in a long time. Those games were fantastic. Those were really, really good games. And so you're just hopeful that they can back it up with another great weekend. There you go. Okay, so <clears throat> I think you answered a lot of that. Yeah, I've uh, answered a whole lot of things. Yes. <laughs> in, in kind of a roundabout way. <laughs> so <clears throat> Auburn's uh, – they're, they're the 8th, 5th seed. The eight five seed to make the final four. Do you feel like they've got what it takes to win the title this year? Yeah, you know, you wish their uh, star player had not been hurt. Um, but based on what they did, look, you beat a really good team to get where you are. Uh, can they sustain that for the course of the next two games? I doubt it. Um, I think one of the biggest thing is oftentimes when your star player gets hurt, emotion carries you 
in the short term. Uh, now you're ramping it up against teams who are really good, and not that the team you beat, you know, you beat Kentucky, they're really good. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, the emotion got you through that. Plus, there was a certain level of familiarity. You'd already played them twice. You kind of knew what was going on. And you can watch as much tape as you want to watch, but until you see it up live and in person, in person. And, and I think what's amazing too is you can't begin to intellectualize and understand how much the intensity ramps up in tournament play. From regular season into the tournament and out of the finals, the pace of play, the intensity of play is unbelievable. And I'm not sure they have enough bodies. I'm not sure they have enough quality bodies to, to, to do what they need to do. They get on a roll they can, but again, for them, they're going to need to shoot it and shoot it well, not turn it over. And defensively, they're disruptive, and they're really in typical Bruce Pearl fashion. They get out and defend you and make things hard, but they got to they got to shoot it. They can really shoot it. Yeah. And can they do that? The other thing is, can they score inside on a consistent basis? We'll find out. We will find out. That's what yeah, they say. So I just have a feeling that Auburn's going to finish it off. I don't know why well, I can't. You know, I can't. There's I no logic behind this. Well, so, the, anything. It, it's just a. It's just a gut feeling that there's I. There's an app you can get that might help you figure out if you want to. <laughs> if you want to. If you want to back that up, right? Really? What, yeah. what app would that well, be? Well, that would be burning bad. I got to tell you, just as an I'm aside. I'm going to keep and, and, well, and play look, that over yeah. and over and over right. on social media. I want you to know that. Well, but in in the effort of full disclosure, I mean, what people don't know is I have I had Patrick in a couple classes at IUPUI. Uh, and developed a relationship with him. I'm, I'm enormously proud of what you've been able to do. It's to take an idea, uh, and it's hard. A lot of people have ideas that never come to fruition, and you've, you've had an idea uh, at, at, at great personal expense, uh, a lot of effort, a lot of things go into it, and to see it come to fruition, it, it, I'm just so enormously proud of what you've done and happy for you. And um, I hope it continues to go and, and get better and better. And, um, you know, you've, you've nurtured it. You, you, it's like your own child. You've, you've helped it come along. It's been up. It's been down. It's been up. It's been down. And now it's on that, uh, that, that arc, as we like to say, going in a positive direction. And I'm, I'm really happy for you and proud of what you've done. Thank you, Coach. That means the world to me. No, you're welcome. Absolutely. You're welcome. This man's put in a lot of hard work. I have, since we've met... And you told me you to quit cussing the first time in your class. I have nothing but respect well, for you. Yeah. It's and, a small thing. <laughs> and being ex-military, a lot of times it just right. it just slips right. out. It, it's, it's never meant disrespectfully, um, but it sure comes out too much. I, I will say. Well, you're welcome. But getting to know you and and find your passion is as warming as it is, mm -hmm. especially when teaching, you know, and being an older student, going back to college around all these it's tough young to do. kids. It, yeah. It's real tough, but you brought so much fun atmosphere into that class. Thank you. I had an absolute ball. I will take that class every semester for well, the rest I'm of gonna, my life. Yeah, I'm going to do it for another couple of years, I think. I mean, I'm not getting any younger. Uh, but I still enjoy it. I still, I, I, the big thing about it, and I taught a class earlier today, I, I enjoy being around the students. I, I just, I always have. And um, I know it's cliched, but it brings me joy to, to do that. And to know that you're, um, you know, you 
think back in, in your lives, you, you're not clearly as old as I am, maybe not even collectively as old as I am, but the big thing is you can go back, you can go back in your lives and, and aside from your parents and maybe some family members, I mean, every one of us, I think, would look to a teacher or a coach as being one of the most influential persons in our lives. And um, um, I just hope in some small way I've, I've done what I was supposed to do. Absolutely. You've, you've done more than what you're supposed to do. Let's hope. More than what you're supposed to do. Like you said, not only did you teach me in college and I had so much fun mm-hmm. and this and that, I've reached out to you outside of college. Right. I've asked for mentorship right. you know, because I know about your uh, Indiana Sports Talk, the radio right. show that you have. Right. You know, I know oh, that little radio show? Yeah, just that <laughs> little one that's syndicated. <laughs> just a little one. Right. You know, and I know how busy you are with everything that oh, you Oh, not that busy. still calling right. IUPUI games. I do, yeah. Um, how many IU games have you called here recently? Well, I did the, uh, you know, uh, Greg Rickstraw and I do the IUPUI home game schedule, which is really fun. I do it at the uh, uh, Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Um, I do a high school game on the weekends for 1070 The Fan. For whom I work, I work for Ms. Communications, and then uh, I do the state finals, um, girls and boys basketball. I did one A two A games on boys and girls on uh, the IHSA television network, and then I did the three A games on the radio network. And um, I think I'm going to do the baseball. Uh, I'm going to do Friday. I think the Saturday morning session of the baseball championships. Whoever's playing, I think I'm scheduled to do that. Um, I like doing it. Uh, I like doing all that. But look. Indiana Sports Talk, I've done for 25 years. And I can appreciate what you do because when we started Indiana Sports Talk in August of 1994, it was an idea. I've never been done you know, to, to do a syndicated, and by syndicated I mean a, a multiple stations around the state taking the same show. It's the only one in the state. Um, and it was an idea. We had no idea it would work. Seemed like a good idea, had no idea, had no research, had no data. In many respects, just like when you started Burning Bet, you had an idea, but you didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, we got lucky um, in, in a number of respects. Uh, and just, you know, stayed the course, followed the process. There's a, there's a certain uh, symmetry to all of this, if you will. And 25 years later, we're still on. Um, most listened to sports talk show in the state's history. Um, I'd like to tell you where you can find it. I always tell people, jump in your car, hit scan, you'll find it. Friday and Saturday <laughs> night, it's hard to get away from. And, um, you know, we end up having at the, week, at the end of the week between 200 and 250,000 people listen. And it's about high school and college sports for the most part because I like the passion. I like that. And I think that our show, which is different than others, in that um, I'm a coach, so I don't criticize coaches. Uh, I don't criticize players. Ours is all about information and scores and how games are won and this, that, and the other. And the idea is when you listen, however long, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, when you, you heard some really neat stories about neat things that our kids around Absolutely. the state did on a Friday and Saturday night. And, and that's been the mission of the show and uh, proud and of what it, we've done. And it doesn't upset you. Well, you'd be surprised the number of people who criticize what I do. What you talk about. You hear some other shows and you're looking at or hearing these people and they're speaking all this negative and it affects you when people speak like that, regardless well, if you yeah. agree with them or not. Look, I go back, especially to, if not. I go back to the statement I made earlier about everybody knows more than you as, you do as a coach. But here's the thing: when I when we started it, I said I wasn't going to criticize coaches because I've been criticized, and I, I know how that 
you know, we're used to it. Uh, your seven-year-old, eight-year-old daughter's not used to having hear what a bum her father is. Your wife's not used to, you know, she got used to hearing what a bum her, her husband was. Uh, and and, and you, you forget that the people you're criticizing and talking about getting fired and do this, that, and the other, they're humans. Uh, they do this because they have a passion for it. Uh, they have families who are affected by that. And you're, you're not going to storm into your dentist office and scream at him and yell at him for what an idiot he is because he didn't do this, didn't do that right. You don't know more than he does. Uh, and so I, I would just ask people to be just a little nicer. And, you know, and, and here you and are. Again, it's not just coaches. It's, you know, people, Romeo Langford's, what, 19, 18, 19 years old? Listen to this guy get criticized. Oh, are, you, are you joking? Seriously. You better what? have some tough skin come, when you get come to this on for level, for sure. And yeah. when, did, when did we become this way that, that, that our big thing is now we're going to criticize everybody? And so when we did the show and we continue to do the show, I don't, I don't criticize. I'm not doing it. You want to hear opinions and criticisms, don't listen to my show. Please don't. You can go someplace else. I'm good with it. I'll be, I'll be fine. Now, you want to hear about good things that high school kids on the courts and the fields did, you're in the right spot. But if you want to hear me criticize a coach, not happening. Not going to happen. I'll stop doing it before I do, before I do that. Yeah, isn't that just exactly what I was saying? Everything that you do it on a daily basis, you know, you've never not returned a text. Oh, you've never I'm, not had I'm a, a little push. slow. You've never, <laughs> never not, you know, met me for lunch. I'm a little slow at it. Well, he's buying answer my so question or, you know, to, to, to keep coaching right. along right. on, on this trail because setting this, this podcast up and this studio right. up, everything I do funnels people to the app. That's the idea. Without a doubt. Right. I get into doing things like this and the passion of what right. we're doing right now has just overwhelmed me on how great it is. And I love, but I've never done this before. I have absolutely no clue. And when that camera gets shut off, the first thing I'm going to ask you is how I, how I do coach? Uh, well, before, before, I it, know, I before it gets, before I it, want you coaching before me it gets more. shut off, you did great. I think, I think what people are looking for um, is authenticity and sincerity. Um, they're not looking for hype. They're not looking for glitz. They're not looking for... They're looking for somebody they can trust. You know, I mean, seriously, at the end of the day, do they trust you? Are you, gen are you sincere? Are you genuine? And the, the message... You can deliver the message and change your message from day to day and whatever you do, but you can't change who you are and, and who you are comes through in, in the broadcast. And, um, you know, that's the big thing is the advice people give you all the time. Be yourself. Be you. And, and don't try to be something you're not. This is, you know, you, you have a, a certain, uh, you've carved out a certain space in what you're doing. And I, I wouldn't advise you to do anything other than what you're doing. And you've done great. Thank you. I like your choice of guest on your first time, too. <laughs> Boom, now that baby. I'm not, I'm not disappointed in that. I mean, it shows a certain wisdom. Now, Coach Swoops over here, I hear him asking you questions. I feel like he's just a natural behind that mic. It's pretty good. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. What's yeah. impressive for me is that you guys have, you know, you have questions. You've got, you know, you've written them out. You've done your homework and all that stuff. Can I tell you a secret? I, I, oh, please! I work without <laughs> I work without notes. Always have. 
<laughs> all, Gone. No, I mean it's just you know, but but you but when you first get, when I first got started, I when I first got started, I, I used I used notes, uh, and and then what I found was uh, it sounded like I was reading a question, and so I decided okay, I'll, I, and, and again I don't have a difficult time talking, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it, but uh, and I've done it for a long time, but you know I have in my mind some things that I want to ask. And I think the other thing that you guys have done done well is, look, there's an art to interviewing people. It's not an easy thing to do, but what you do and what you guys have done, the biggest thing to interviewing anybody is listen to what they say. Be a listener. Be a good listener and ask follow-up questions. And the other thing about it, too, is, is my, one of my pet peeves about colleagues, not just, you know, not here locally, but, you know, around the country, um, interviewers tend to ask a question, and in the middle of that question, pontificate for a minute or two minutes about certain things and then come back and ask that question again and give their guest very little time to answer. Well, I, I, know, I, I joke about this all the time. I, I don't get paid by the word. Um, yeah. I, I, don't get, you know, I, don't, I don't like to pontificate. I don't like to express opinions. I like to, I, if I have a guest, I want to hear from my guest. I want them to talk, not me. And that's what you guys have done and, and done well. I mean, so I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. Any well, chance I can get to spend time with feedback. you. And then the other thing, it's always good to get out and promote Indiana Sports Talk. And there are, I'm sure there are some people who haven't listened. I can't believe it. But um, <laughs> if you haven't, you just need to go Friday night, Saturday night, 930 to – Midnight, and you'll find it. It's it's out there. I like it. I think uh, FM is ninety three point one. No, it's one zero seven five here locally. One zero seven five ten seventy the fan, and ninety three one WIBC. Uh, the Emmis Communications stations that carries, and then you know, literally outside the state, it's uh, go to IndianaSportsTalk.com, check out the affiliate page. It's easy. And I, again, I, I, the easiest thing to do: get in your car on Friday and Saturday night, get scanned. You're there. You can't get away from it. You, you can literally come from Chicago all the way down to Cincinnati, and you're not going to miss us. You need an app for your show. Yeah, uh, probably do. <laughs> that's uh, you know. I, I know a guy. That's that's, that's uh, yeah. I just focus on talking. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for having me, fellas. Appreciate you having me. One more. All right. Franklin Central. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Byers. Front. 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 What does Franklin Central fans have to look forward to? What's in store for them with uh, Coach Chris Byers? Well, Coach uh, Byers is one of the, one of the uh, great guys in the business. Um, he's a tremendous teacher of the game, um, tremendous motivator of young people. His teams are disciplined. Um, they are, they, they are um, they're mentally tough. They're going to guard you from the time you walk in the gymnasium. Uh, they're going to share the basketball. And you, you say it as a coach, you want your kids to play hard. His kids will play hard in every possession, the entire 32 minutes. Um, they'll, see, uh, they'll see success. Um, and, and they'll see a, a group of young men who, um, are, who love the game and who respect the game, respect their opponents. But they're going to go out there. They're going to. They, their whole mantra is to outwork you, work harder than you do, and share the basketball and be an egoless group. Um, and they'll where he's been. He's one where he's been, and he's one of the. He's a lifer. And he's done great things in basketball. And he's a. I think more importantly, he's a quality, quality human being. Really a great guy. 
um, and has the right perspective on what this enterprise is supposed to be about. That's awesome. Yes, he's, he's, awesome. he's he, I think it's Because my daughter's senior year is next year. I think you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Franklin Central. You know, certainly uh, the Warren Central people, um, it's a loss for them, but, you know, he lives close to Franklin Central. Um, and when you get to a certain point in your life, you know how it is. I mean, being able to spend a little more time uh, at your home, being able to, you know, spend more time with your family and those kinds of things really, really, truly are important to you. So um, I was surprised. Because he had a great setup uh, and a great group of guys at Warren, but very when, successful there. But when you look at it, um, it makes sense, and and um, I have no doubt that they'll they'll be very successful. John Rocky had had a great run too, and then he has a young group this last year that kind of fell on hard times, and I was surprised that they made that move. But um, clearly, they're 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 support, um, they're they're quality kids out there, and so you know, they'll be successful. Awesome. Now, I meant to bring this up to you early, and if you're in a hurry, we'll shut this down. I need to get on by midnight. You know. Oh, <laughs> you're good then. Um, Coach Izzo in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I forget the kid's name. Aaron Henry. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, from Ben Davis. Yeah. To me, he went out on that floor, and he was coaching that kid. Yeah, he, he was, was bringing so he, something out of yeah, that yeah, kid. He was you really could coaching. That, you could look at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> that, that kid was, he was not He was coaching him up, yeah. And to me, that's what a coach is supposed to do when he needs to do it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people went nuts over it, thinking uh, right. Coach Izzo was a monster and da-da-da. I wouldn't look – if my son was about to go play basketball – I see a coach like Izzo. Right. He's doing that because he's going to bring the best out of that player. And if that player wants to win, he wants you to bring the best out of him anyways. I don't remember too many times where uh, Coach Wade didn't grab my face mask and shake the fire out of me and get me more fired up than right. I ever have been before in my life. I never once hated him for it. I never once thought he'd done me wrong. He brought me from a point to where I wasn't focusing to a point where I was an absolute monster, unfreaking stoppable. He brought that out of me, and it took a little bit, mm-hmm. and it took a little bit of yelling at me. It took a little bit right. of shaking my helmet. And what I saw Coach Izzo doing was being a coach, and I would want my kid to play for a coach like that. I would want my kid to play for uh, a coach like uh, Bob Knight. I don't want somebody to coddle my kid. I want somebody to coach him and bring the best out of him. So I think with Coach Izzo, though, I think, I think his, uh, his guys love him. I mean, almost to a man, I mean, they would all tell you that the greatest four years or two years or however many years they were there of their life was being with him and learning those lessons and doing those things. You know, it's called on national TV at a particular point in the game, and it's kind of hard to, you know, when you when the camera's zooming in on you, screaming at your player, it's kind of hard to kind of get away from it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and in this day and age in our culture, um, we don't we don't like criticism. Um, but um, I would I would think it, what people don't understand is number one, that's happened in practice, and number two, Aaron Henry played. Speaking of Franklin Central, Mark James was his high school coach, and Mark James was a demanding coach when he coached him at Ben Davis, and so uh, Aaron. Um, is a strong-willed guy, strong-minded guy, and who would tell you um, that, um, you know, he had it coming, I suppose. And I think he'd also tell you that as soon as the game was over in the locker room, those two were hugging and telling each other how much they loved each other. And so for those who criticize, 
Again, criticize all you want, know, know all the details, understand the backstory before you criticize and think about it. Was it, was it uh, difficult to watch? Yeah, for some people it's difficult to watch, but I gotta, I mean, again, uh, when you're playing at the highest level of athletics, it's, an, it's emotional uh, on both sides, and, and, and you know, sometimes you do things that you wish you hadn't done it, or the manner in which you did it, but it, at the core of all this is, here's a guy who, as you point out, trying to motivate a young man, because he cares about him, cares about what's going on. And I will tell you that when Aaron Henry leaves, whatever his time at Michigan State uh, is over, he'll look back and the one guy he'll tell you in his life that was the most instrumental in his career was Coach Izzo. Hands down, that's what they all say. Uh, Coach, we got somebody on uh, Facebook. They want to know who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Jordan. <laughs> All right, there you go, Mr. Zach. Quick, a, quick <laughs> answer. Easy, that's, to me, that's easy. Well, me it's, too. it's an easy answer. Jordan never took a day off, never took a playoff. You know, didn't do what, it. Didn't what, do any. What's of that load management? And played defense. Yeah, and, and, yeah, it's interesting. You know, load management when I was younger was called resting. Yes. And so, uh, and so, you know, to me, it's it's uh, it's. I'm nothing against LeBron. He's a tremendous player, but frankly, you know, the argument to Bert, best of all time. Why would you not? Answer this question. What's the criteria for determining best of all time? Tell me what the criteria is. Is it championships? Championships? Is that, is that the criteria? Okay. Then the best of all time is Bill Russell. There you go. 11 championships. End of story. Stop. Stop the discussion. So tell me what we're, tell me what we're talking about. You know, is, is Jordan better than LeBron? Yeah, I guess so. Not necessarily because of championships, but... I just think he was a better player. Um, and LeBron's done amazing things where he's been. You know, the LA thing obviously is pretty well documented. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick between the two, who who I thought was best, I'd, I'd pick Jordan. But I'm kind of old school. I, 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 I look at it. Don't feel look, I, you know, this, this, this hair is my actual hair color. Don't don't feel so I am old, I am old school. <laughs> if you take LeBron and you put him in Michael Jordan's era, how successful would he be? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't think he's no, as successful no as he is today. Well, but a, if you take Michael Jordan and you put him in LeBron's yeah, that's, that's how successful question. will he be? Because how many times is, is Jordan going to hit the ground? Yeah, I don't you know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I try not to get wrapped up in those kinds of things. I really don't. Well, it, it, was, a, it was a fan no, on Facebook. Hey, Lucy, we're glad you asked. Thank you for asking. <laughs> coach Swoops, you got anything else you want to bring out to Coach? No, I just I just like to express my gratitude. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for coming oh, on. It, this has been a, a great experience. Well, I hope I hope it goes well. And me too. Uh, I'm um, you know I'm thrilled that you asked me. Um, and again, you know uh, my respect for you and, and all that. And I'll I'll certainly be willing to do whatever you need me to do to help you with this endeavor as it moves forward. We do have a little more painting to get done. Yeah, so <laughs> I've got a bad back. him off the floor again. A bad, a bad back and a bad shoulder, a bad shoulder. So other than that, that he's on the IR already. I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's an age thing. So, well, thanks for having me. I we appreciate it. I hope it works and hope it works out and hope it exceeds your expectations. Hard work never fails. Never hurts. Never fails. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it, Coach. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump off of here. And remember, as always, be good to each other. No drinking and driving. It's a lot cheaper using Uber. And we'll see you on the flip side. Go Colts! Stay classy.
done. 